welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Michael Preston. For the seventh straight time, non-COVID year, and I, I say on this show so often um, that we don't count the COVID year really for anything because I mean that that year was just so insane. I don't I don't even really remember any one game um, from that year, but seven straight years now for Washington State with a bowl game, and I understand the barrier to entry for a bowl game uh, is significantly lower than it once was, but that's still pretty darn impressive. Uh, for a team that languished uh, away from the postseason for so long. Welcome to the Kook Center Hour. I am Michael Preston. Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Swarm going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the Arizona Wildcats and Washington State's final away game for the 2022 season. We are not going to give any breath to the lawsuit filed this week by a certain former person who used to be in charge of the football team. And I realize just by saying this, I'm giving a little bit of breath to it, but I'm not going to go any further than to say that, uh, but we will close the show with our Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything. I kind of feel like that football game against Arizona State was like, do you guys remember uh, Bill Hader's character on Saturday Night Live, Stefan? New York's hottest club is Dad's Weekend in Pullman. It has everything. Great offense, no tackling, frustrating offense like it, it has everything that football game and an incredible contrast just from half to half of what Washington State is capable of on both sides of the football look at their defense in the first half against Arizona State how did the Arizona State drives in the first half end punt 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 interception punt Picked up negative 9 yards, 3 yards, 22 yards, 14 yards, 11 yards, and 15 yards. How did Washington State's drives end in the first half? Punt, touchdown, touchdown, downs. That was that goal line call. I think that was not only that that ball got thrown behind, he didn't catch it. Punt, touchdown on a 4-yard drive after Smith Wade's interception. Touchdown. How did Arizona State's drives end in the second half? Punt, punt, touchdown, downs. Touchdown, touchdown. And how did Wazoo's drives end in the second half? Punt, 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 downs. End of game. A lot to love in the first half. Nakia Watson, it it just continues to show why he is the game changer offensively for this team, especially if Renard Bell is still not healthy this coming week in Tucson. Kim Ward looked the part again. Again, more good blocking from the offensive line in that first half. And then a whole, and and the defense played exceptionally well. You know, you were worried about Borgay having two really good weeks coming into this game in Pullman, and he did not look the part. They had to go to Emory Jones in the second half I think Borgay may have gotten hurt, but that may have been one of those old, like, oh, yeah, 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 he got hurt, or whatever, to save a little face. And then you look at the second half for both the defense and the offense, and I'm going to be honest about one thing. I don't know what Arizona State was doing 
in that entire second half, not going tempo. They took forever on a lot of their drives. Their drive that ended with a, with a fourth down stop at the WSU 7 took almost six minutes in the fourth quarter. And if you truly thought you were in that game after a really head-scratching attempt at a two-point conversion after that first touchdown, how does that drive take five minutes and 50 seconds? Because by the time they got the ball back, um, with under five and a half to go, they needed to score three times. And they scored twice. And I think I said, you know, on Twitter, like, look, like they're not going to come back to win this game. But like, what is going on here? And I want to try to take some of that good from the first half of the offense moving the ball effectively, of the defense playing really well, of... You know, 7-play, 84-yard drives, 13-play, 75-yard drives. And not apply it and and try to not think about a second half where you had less than 4 yards per play. I think I did the math. It was like 3.6 yards per play, which is god-awful. That's really bad. Like, I know it sounds like, well, that's a first down if you just do that every time. But you don't. Remember about that number is you don't. There's all kinds of stuff baked into that. It's an average. Okay. And seeing ASU drives in the second half of 9 yards, 34 yards, 52 yards, 71 yards, 43 yards, 63 yards is a remarkable change and concerning to say the least. ASU is a good, is a decent team offensively. They are not as good in the second half as they showed in the first half. And it looked like the defense had been playing lockdown. So... I'm I'm wondering what's going on. I don't think it's a lack of discipline. I don't think it's a lack of, you know, good coaching or effort on the players' part. And I think what it really comes down to is something we saw kind of in the comment section on Center this week is even then, you know, like Jeff and PJ were alluding to there, and I agree with it, is that it's just really hard for Wazoo to play a complete football game. Like they did against Stanford, but it's those are very very few and far between and like I've talked about on this show before when you're kind of stuck where Washington State is kind of I mean you're not rebuilding right but you're also not where you were from 2015 to 2018 and 19 really so I'm not that but I'm not in rebuild mode I'm kind of like in this limbo where You have players good enough to win football games like this when you get an ASU team that is definitely not very good. You can go out and blow the doors off them in the the first half and then the second half look completely different because you either throttle backwards because you're leading by so much or something else is going on and the logical explanation is just that they don't have the depth to be consistently good, right? You don't have that level of talent on this roster that can, you know, against a better offense, can hold off in that second half. And we'll talk about that in a second because you're definitely going to run into a better one this weekend. It was remarkably frustrating from the standpoint that it, it just, it looked like a different football team. It just looked like a completely different football team half to half. And again, I don't think it's an issue of effort. It's not a lack of... You know, or it's not like the coaches weren't trying, the players weren't trying, whatever it is. 
And I don't think ASU was doing anything too drastically different in that second half. It's just, do you not play as sharply when you're up by 28? Do you not focus as much, maybe, when you're up by 28? Like, I I totally get that. But it's worrying to see this team do that. And I think it, it still goes back to the point of maybe it's just really hard for a college football team to play a complete game. Like, maybe it's really, really hard if you're not named Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, uh, TCU this year. USC, whoever. Even Oregon can't do it. Oregon can't do it at home. Okay? Maybe it's just really, really difficult for 18 to 22-year-olds to play a complete football game. And maybe I'm being harder than I need to be here. But even then, I don't think I'm being that hard. I think the coach and Jake Dickert said as much after the game. I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but it was like, yeah, that second half was awful. That was really bad. We should not be doing that. That I I, I want to bottle that first half up. Like, I want to bottle that feeling from that first half because that's what they scored 42 against Stanford and then 28 against Arizona State in the first half. So that's 70 points in the first half of games. And then uh, 10 in the second half of so a combined 80 points but only 10 scored in the second half of both that's bad that's very bad you don't want to see that from a football team that can't really afford errors like this and when you need to put a score or two on somebody in the second half because It's like I said, Arizona State was not coming back in that game. They certainly weren't acting like a football team that wanted to. And four touchdowns is a pretty immense, you know, difference to overcome. Although I have personally seen it before. But it it, it doesn't make you feel good that that's kind of the taste you're left with in your mouth after that football game. Because that's the more recent half that they played. It doesn't make you feel wonderful that this team just looked completely different in the second half compared to the first. And that the game just like flipped all the way over. I'm incredibly grateful that the bowl eligible again. They're going to get those extra practices you need so badly. They're going to, the players are going to get to go, hopefully not to El Paso again. I've had enough of El Paso and it's only been like what, twice in the last six years. I've had enough of that. Okay. They'll get to play another game on TV, on ESPN probably for the first time. I think they won't be on ESPN all year, in all likelihood. I don't think the Apple Cup will end up there. But it, it, it just seems like this, you know, I, I keep going back to this point of this team's not rebuilding, but they're not kind of at their peak yet. So maybe it can just result in games like this a little bit. And what you're going to find this week against another Arizona school, this time in Tucson. And again, how do we keep playing these teams like in the fall? Or like in like the genuine fall, not like like early October fall. Like, ew, I got my Uggs on and my pumpkin spice latte fall. No, like bitterly cold fall in Pullman and then like it's actually like an okay temperature in Tucson. Okay. This is now, if last week was strength on strength and weakness on weakness... This is even more that to a a bigger degree. Arizona's offense is much better than ASU's offense. And their defense is actually much worse than ASU's defense. Although they looked very good against UCLA last week. They've given up nearly 50 points 
on multiple occasions this year. They have looked very, very bad. But on the other side of the coin, you have an offense led by a former Washington State quarterback, who for for him it is personal, apparently, that is a juggernaut at times. And can this defense do enough to limit opportunity, scoring opportunities? Because this offense we've seen, even against bad defenses, can have issues moving the football. Is Renard Bellback? Is Robert Farrell healthy? If the answer to both of those is yes, you feel a little bit more confident. But all the drops we keep seeing from receivers, all these teeny tiny little things that a team that's not rebuilding but also isn't at its peak form do, that just slow things down and grind stuff to a halt, you worry about in this football game. It also doesn't help that now you have a motivated Arizona team. Because beating UCLA in the Rose Bowl was a good enough thing, but they had to do it if they wanted even a possibility of being bowl eligible. They still need to win their last two games, but it's now out there, right? And it feels... I mean, A, it's just more attainable from the standpoint of you can actually do it with a win, but you win and beat a top 15 team on the road, and now it feels really attainable. Like, you're really hungry for it. You didn't want them... I wanted Arizona to win that game if for no other reason than UCLA was playing in what will probably be their future time slot on Fox in the Big Ten, and they lost to Arizona, and that is hilarious to me. <laughs> like, I, like, that is very funny. You lost to a 3-6 and six team... In your future broadcast window with your future broadcast partner. Like, y'all enjoy that. Have fun doing that. The elephant in this room is obviously the quarterback and Jaden Delora. And him saying after the game, yeah, it's personal for me. And look, I get that. And I've, I've said on this show before, 20-year-old kids are going to think what they want to think. And 20-year-old kids always think that they're right. I am always right. Because Lord knows, I thought that. I always thought I was right. And I understand, I actually do understand where Jaden is coming from here. Okay? The the school let go of your former, your former coach in what you view to be an unfair way. And then the new offensive coordinator coming in probably had designs on his quarterback if you weren't willing to stay. And you quit at halftime of the bowl game. Granted, without your starting tackles and your starting running back, but still. I, I I get it. I think everybody has a right to be upset at him for how he behaved in that game. Um, if you want to, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know how to say, like, take personally. I don't think you're, like, taking it personally, whatever he says after they beat UCLA, but... If you want to take that for, you know, you want to be like really angry about it, that's fine too. But he's also allowed to feel how he feels. The other thing too is you're probably never really going to find out what happened. This is a real chicken and egg situation. The coaches are never going to talk about it. And Delora's probably really well served by also not talking about it. Okay. But you have a guy now who, if he says it's personal, then it's personal. And that probably means given what we know about Jaden Delora... That you're either looking at a game where he throws for enough yardage to get to the moon, or he throws like seven interceptions. That's also just the case for any quarterback that says, yeah, I'm making this personal. I'm making it, you know, I'm, I'm taking this personally. Bad decision making. Or you just play with such a hot hand that you, you literally can't miss. 
So, can the defensive line get to Jaden Delora? Can you keep him contained? Because heavens knows that he is wanting to break contain and run for 10 or 15 yards. He's athletic, athletic enough to do it. Can you force him into making bad decisions? Can you make him do that? It's going to be an interesting little cat and mouse game between Brian Ward and Jed Fish on Saturday. And I don't want to say I'm eager to find out who comes on top, comes out on top. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Let's talk to Brian Peterson about the Arizona Wildcats when we come back on the Cook Center Hour. Back here on the Coug Center Hour, we're now joined by our expert for the week from our sister site, AZ Desert Swarm. They cover, as you might expect, the Arizona Wildcats. Brian Peterson has been kind enough to lend some time uh, to us this evening to go over his Wildcat football team. And um, Brian, I think four and six through ten games, I you know, I, I ordinarily lead off here with, you know, a question of, okay, like, how have things been going this season? How have things looked? And, you know, like, Four and six might look a little different if not for what happened at the Rose Bowl last weekend. So I'm still going to ask the question of how are things going, but how much better are things going now uh, after taking down the Bruins? Oh, yeah. The, the, the atmosphere around the program has, has definitely bumped up from beating delay. But even if they had lost that game, um, to be three and seven going into this weekend was entirely expected and considering where this program was a year ago and earlier than that to have the opportunity to be three and seven at this point it still feels like that and now it's just an even bigger success because this was not a game really especially being the last of a five-game gauntlet um, i don't know if people realize that arizona plays all five of the quote-unquote best teams in the pac 12 in consecutive weeks, and the fact that they were able to win the one at the end, when you could really expect a team as young and experienced them to go, all right, we're good. We've, we've, uh, we've tried hard. It's <laughs> simply amazing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Jed Fish, uh, this is his second year, um, and I, I think, you know, we, we saw what Arizona was last year. And he took advantage um, of that transfer portal and really hammered it hard. We'll talk about uh, the one guy I think you know we're interested in, in Pullman in particular, in a minute. But what is that kind of what has led this turnaround? Because Jed Fish kind of came in and saw that he could take advantage of this, and it really seems like he's gotten a lot of new blood in Tucson. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of the portal and uh, the recruiting class they were able to find this year. The portal worked in that they needed to have some instant influx on offense. Uh, the offense vastly improved a year ago. Uh, I mean, they surpassed most of their numbers in 2021 after maybe seven or eight games this year, which wasn't hard because they went a long stretch last year where they couldn't even get 20 points. But bringing in Jaden Delora from Washington State, instant improvement at that position. Bringing in Jacob Cowing, slot receiver from UTEP, suddenly gave them a go-to receiver when they didn't have one. And those two really perked up the offense. But then beyond that, they, uh, the recruiting class, they signed best one since 2006. One of the receivers that's been playing every game, Tisaroa McMillan, is the highest-rated receiver. He has made a difference. 
he's a good jump ball guy and just gives them that extra element. One of their, two of their four running backs are true freshmen, and now both of their guards are true freshmen. They've got six foot three, 330 pounds true freshmen starting at both guards, and they're probably the best linemen on the team. And that was where they really emphasized the immediate improvement. Whereas on the defensive side, it was, well, we're going to kind of have to go with what we have and try some of these guys in over the course of the season. And that really started to show up the last week with the amount of freshmen that have been playing on defense. And maybe not showing in numbers, but it's showing in the overall effort. Let's talk about that uh, one transfer I think we're all most interested in. Jaden Delore, of course, was at Wazoo for two years um, and decided to head to Tucson, hit the transfer portal, and went south. Um, I've watched a little bit of Arizona football this year. It seems like at times you kind of get the full Jaden Delora experience that a lot of Wazoo fans are used to, a lot of scrambling and trying to make something out of nothing. And, it you know, it just you get the good and the bad um, with him, but at least on the whole, it seems like it's been a whole lot of good so far this year. Is that the case? Yes, especially of the, the first few games when the line would fall, falter and he'd have to run for his life. He wouldn't even consider taking off, and it cost them that that was the case, uh, particularly uh, early in the season. There was a, a clip that, that made a lot of the highlight goals where he seemed like he was running around for about a half hour back there and then ended up throwing an interception. And that that hasn't happened since then because he actually does take off now and he's gotten a lot of great yardage in that way. But the, the, his ability to elude pass rushers, whether it's in just being able to hide step, has been straight up amazing. And Arizona spent so many consecutive weeks playing on Pac-12 Network that a lot of the national uh, college football writers didn't really get see them, and then when they played UCLA on Fox on Saturday night, suddenly Twitter was just full of people realizing, oh my gosh, the Jaden Delora experience, it's an experience, and it, it, you're going to be going through the highs and lows, but definitely been much more of the highs. Yeah, like like I said, I think this is this is one fan base you're talking to that can relate pretty directly to the, to the whole experience with him. You rattled off a few names there. Um, on offense for Arizona, and I think for Coop fans, this is a game, you know, you see strength on strength in terms of Arizona's offense against Wazoo's defense. So what's one other name um, that you might want to keep an eye on when Arizona has the football on Saturday? Well, the guy that's just been so reliable all season without any sort of flash and player is running back Michael Wiley. He's a great pass catcher. He's very just dependable running the ball. Uh, a couple games ago when they lost at Utah, they had – they lost four fumbles, but he was none of them. He's, he's very dependable in that way, and he can get you the yards. But then when it comes from the receivers, Jacob Cowing got all the attention. He's one of the most high-profile guys in the portal. And McMillan, because of his recruiting test, Dorian Singer has maybe been the most impressive of the three receivers. He was a walk-on that they added at the beginning of Jet Fish's tenure from Minnesota, who didn't have a lot of offers, certainly didn't have any as North Dakota State wanted him as a defensive but he wanted to play receiver. He comes here, and he's just been tremendous in that he, he makes all these one-handed catches and things like that. So, started the, so that, that, those two are the ones that really kind of stood out as far as 
Defensively, um, you know, like I like I mentioned, this is kind of a different story for Arizona. I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier where this is just, you know, we're going to have to roll with what we have. And you look at Bill Connolly's SP+, Arizona is arguably, at least by the numbers, the worst defense in the Pac-12. So again, this is weakness on weakness in this game. Wazi's offense is certainly not what it's been in the past. And Arizona's defense is not, you know, the Scooby Wright, you know, days that I can remember. What is the biggest problem for this defense? I know it looks like there are quite a few, but what would you say is the biggest one? Well, it's funny you bring up Scooby Wright because when he was the anchor of that defense, they were still giving up 30 points a game. It's just they were scoring 40 points a game with Rich Rod's um, spread offense. And that's kind of what they, they have fallen into now. It's like, we don't need the defense to shut out. We just need them to occasionally get a stop. And this past game against UCLA actually showed that. They actually made a few stops. And to hold UCLA to its fewest points season is flat out amazing. Um, it's just it's a numbers game. They don't really have depth. And the guys that they have, other than the young ones, are not made for the system that Johnny Nansen, the uh, new coordinator, has put in place. Um one of the most impactful of the older guys, Hunter Beckles, who was another transfer that they got to USC, who had been never could get on the field much at USC because he's playing behind a bunch of pros, he comes here and he's working on the edge. He's been very, very impactful. He put the numbers really aren't there. But now it's just a bunch of young guys. They've got a true freshman who was just freshman of the week, Jake Manu, linebacker. They've got uh, a freshman playing starting on the defensive line. They have a freshman starting at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So they're just all over the place with the youth and trying to use as many guys as possible so that they don't wear down at the end of the game. But it's really just a matter of they, they're not going to have more than two consecutive stops. And a lot of times if they make a team take 10 plays before, that's like a success as opposed to giving up one big play. Uh, they, they don't tackle very well, not very good against the run, actually. They're bad. Uh, the pass defense, um, normally, like, teams have been picking on them lately, but UCLA, for some reason, did not figure out Arizona's own, which I need mean, I don't know what Brent Thompson was doing there. But, I mean, if this could be a game that Washington State, even with their struggles, is able to put up a lot of points. It's just a matter of, you know, maximize all that. Let's talk a little bit, you know, you know, you mentioned a few things um, that they do well that, and, you know, I think overall this is, you know, obviously like to your point that they can improve. One thing I, I noticed just looking at the raw numbers, and again, this isn't the best way to look at a defense, but just two interceptions on the year and just a few forced fumbles. Is that just not a point? Because I know for Washington State, turnover is a point of emphasis. Get the ball out of the hands of the offense and give it back to your offense. Is that just not a point of emphasis for this defense? Or is that just their inexperience that, Look, all we're, all we're asking them to try to do is get stops and not actually go get the football to give it back to us quicker. They want to get the turnover, and in fact, uh, I think they're at the nine right now. That's already 50% more than they had last season. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Arizona okay. had six takeaways last year. Yeah. With, like, the fewest in a non-COVID season for any, like, FPS team in, like, 15 years. So, it, it's an improvement, but it's just not there. Like, I think they would um, they would rather the the DB knock the ball down than try to go for for the next uh, because they don't have the safety to, to back it up if somebody gets past. Um, the pass. 
pass rush just really hasn't been there to where they forced the quarterback that they actually performed better against ETR of UCLA than, than they have against almost every other quarterback here. Um, they, I mean, gosh, they they made Cal's offense look like a juggernaut. And mm-hmm. Cal just hired the offense coordinator and offense So I have no expectations from the defense to actually be able to do anything except maybe get Give me a prediction on how you think things are going to go on Saturday. This is Wazoo's first time down to Tucson in five years. Um, they've played in Pullman two times straight, and I think it's like Wazoo's won four of the last five, but they didn't win last time in Tucson. In fact, lost a, quite a shootout. I think there was like 90 points scored in that game or something like that. How do you think this game goes by the time it gets over at 2.30 on Saturday and sends us all... Uh, into the afternoon for a nice late lunch and followed by early dinner, and we don't need to worry about football all night. Well, I had had this as from the beginning of the season as a possible win for Arizona without knowing what would, would come from Wazoo or what would come from Arizona, just kind of the way the schedule lined up. And I still kind of feel that way. Um, Arizona, if they don't make mistakes, their offense is going to score almost every time. No one's really been able to slow them down other than when they make 20 points against, against uh, Utah and 22 against uh, Oregon were because they made some mistakes. So they're going to get their points even against the good defense. Um, I I think this is going to be one of those games that's going to come down to the fourth quarter and it's going to be a one score game. And Arizona has actually been good in those kind of games where they can close and take it over at the end. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if some of the Washington State players, without meaning to, are, know they've already clinched that bid and are thinking about the Apple Cup in a week. It's a, a, a very easy look-ahead kind of game for Washington State. They don't really have as much play for as Arizona does because Arizona wins this game and it comes down to the territorial cup against they have you to actually all eligible for the first time in five years. So, I say Arizona wins the team by like four. I like going yeah, going with the spread on that one. I like that. Brian Peterson from AZ Desert Swarm. Thank you for your uh, expertise on the Wildcats, sir. I appreciate it. anybody in particular and actually for those of you who know I used to be or don't know I used to be in radio can you guess by the voice um (laughs) I used to work in radio and of course it's an industry that's not like doing brilliantly because 
you know, you're listening to this podcast and not the radio. Um, but one one thing that, and I, I, I will still stand for the industry overall. I think there's some value in it and, um, you know, there's a lot of very good people working in it as well. But one thing that continues to irritate me to this day and it's now being done earlier and earlier, kind of like um, you know Black Friday shopping was for a long time, but a lot of stores now have gone away from opening on Thanksgiving, um, is flipping stations to all Christmas music. It used to be done like literally, like even when the idea first came about, it was literally like Black Friday or like the week after it was Christmas music. Now earlier and earlier and earlier, there are stations doing it on like November 4th or 5th. I get the compunction to want to celebrate Christmas. It's a wonderful holiday. But in the United States, we have an entire other big family occasion holiday to get through first. We have Thanksgiving to get through first. And for some families, I really do truly mean get through. Okay? There's a whole other holiday. But the problem is there's advertising dollars because, again, the one big thing that really balances ad books a lot of stations these days anymore is the all Christmas music or a lot of station ownership groups because advertisers love it because DJs stop talking every time I listen to the radio the DJs have somehow gotten worse it's just like I swear to god they just look at show prep they don't even bother to prep for a show anymore so I get it but I still hate it so the dunderhead of the week I guess goes to everybody who listens to Christmas music before Thanksgiving on the radio and forces me to endure this like having to deal with just the fact that it's out there is enough for me. I don't listen to it until Thanksgiving, but I just, I hate even knowing it's out there. Ask Michael anything time. Like, I'm not, I, don't, I don't listen to the radio. Why am I so mad about this? We all get mad about stuff like this, right? Like, there's no personal impact on our life. Whatever. Ask Michael anything time. At N. Pronte, Nick Pronte. What temperature would you decide it wouldn't be worth it to watch the Cougs live? You can't just go up to a suite. Uh, well, I went to the 2014 Apple Cup when it was three degrees outside, so... But now, granted, I was much younger then, so I, I think as you get older, your temperature tolerance probably goes down. Um, I don't know. Probably like 10 or 15 degrees. That would probably do it. I would need to... I need to probably experience it. Like, I'd have to get all the way over there and then, and then decide at the game I didn't want to do it. I have bailed early on really rainy games. Like, there was one game against Colorado where it was just absolutely dumping... And we got up 21 points. I think I've told this story before. And I just stood up Peter Griffin style and yelled, done. And went back to the bar and watched the rest of the game. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not doing that. At JP Nor, John Norris, taking in all WSU sports programs. How good is our current time period historically? I mean, we've had better, right? Volleyball will go to the tournament again this year. Basketball, as I record this, is having some trouble with Prairie View A&M, a swack team. Uh, football is okay. Soccer had a very disappointing year. Women's basketball is good. I mean, we've certainly had better. There's been a lot worse. We'll put it that way. So again, it's like not rebuilding, but not the best. Is that fair to say? Uh, at C underscore Raj six, Cody Rogers. Do you think Dickert should give Matera a chance with the ones? Best way to consume Cougar Gold. I just smoked some and I've been putting it on smoked burgers. Delicious. Ooh, that does sound good. I like to have it with apple slices. Really good, and especially if you can actually get. A Cosmic Crisp Apple, it's uh, really good that way um, as well. I, that's that's really good. Um, probably not. No, I mean, we're we're 10 games into the year. Uh, you, you don't change horses at this point, unless there's like some really massive issue. Like Ward just comes out and throws like three picks in the Apple Cup. Then yeah, you might go to Matir um, to see what you have there. But no, I mean, 
unless like you don't have a reason to play ward in the bowl game maybe like i don't know maybe you just don't want to do it then yeah you would but i no, we're 10 games in probably too late for that at nschulte 10 nick if you won the most recent huge powerball jackpot would you become the WSU version of phil knight uh yeah probably i mean i'd, I'd buy the stadium naming rights I, I i would just pay for that um and then yeah like hecka heckin nil deals probably for all the good players these days Right, that's what they all want, right? They just want NIL. I don't have anything for, for them to be the spokesman of. I'd probably just give a lot of money to, like, the NIL collective and do it that way. Uh, at Max Like Sports, Max receiving votes. When's the pod versus everyone crossover? We keep them separate. Two shows for you guys. Better that way. More to consume. Washington State, 34. Arizona, 21. The defense does do enough. And the offense. This is a really bad defense, guys. But, I again, I don't know if I trust this offense too much. But Arizona's defense is really, really bad, so we'll see how they get on. We'll talk to you for hate week next week on the Coop Center Hour.